Welcome to the Kicks EAP podcast, your monthly podcast with important leaders in education from Eastern Europe, Middle East and North Africa, Central Asia, and the Asia Pacific. I'm your host, Ryan Allen, assistant professor at Chapman University here in Southern California, and my own background is in international and comparative education. Let's start the show. Hi, welcome to the podcast. We have an inspiring episode today. I'm excited for you all to hear it. Uh, our guest today comes from Georgia, and her name is Maya Bibelishvili. She's the head of the Child Family Society organization, and she's been fighting for uh, students with disabilities and their rights in education in, in, in Georgia for uh, several decades now. And it's just great to hear how she was able to, to work as a grassroots organization all the way up to uh, the Ministry of Education to really change things in her country. The interview is uh, broken up a little bit because she was more comfortable in her native uh, Georgian language. So we have edited the interview where her translator is answering the questions, although in some cases she answered the questions herself. So you'll sort of hear it hopping back and forth. You'll hear me ask the question and you'll hear uh, the answer, whichever answer uh, was in English. All right, let's go to the interview. Welcome, Maya Bibelishvili, uh, to the podcast today. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. Can you uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about the uh, Child, Family, and Society organization and, and some of the work that, that you're doing there? Okay. Uh, our organization was established in 1995. It is the uh, first parent organization in Georgia. And uh, after uh, that, we uh, start to uh, help children with disabilities and their family. And it was in 1998 uh, when I was in USA by the exchange program and we knew uh, about inclusive education. In this time in Georgia, not uh, uh, was any services uh, uh, in frame of inclusive education. And uh, in this um, meeting, study tour, I think, encouraged us to do more for the children. And Sally, um, maybe Salome helps me. <laughs> no problem. Uh, since 1998, uh, the organization was working to implement inclusive education um, projects, different projects, and then, uh, since uh, 2000, uh, the program started pilot version of, of inclusive education projects in several schools. And uh, since 2006, uh, Ministry of Education started already inclusive uh, education um, uh, to implement inclusive education at schools, at Georgian schools. And uh, the, the trainers of that organization, we are one of the first group who started tr uh, training of teachers uh, at schools, at public schools. Uh, since 2013, uh, USAID uh, financed uh, the project uh, financed for, for this organization, uh, and the pro project uh, considered uh, to uh, to enrich the um, visual and hearing impairment students uh, uh, toward inclusive education. 
uh, and uh, the organization had a very interesting uh, study tour at the uh, American different uh, schools uh, um, to, toward inclusive education. Uh, and it was very interesting. Uh, we were in the Gallaudet University. Do you know it is in, uh, in, in DC? Uh, only one, uh, yes, only one university in the world for deaf and um, hearing impairment peoples. And we were as well in uh, Perkins School for Blinds. And uh, we knew about. Helen Keller, <laughs> it was very interesting tour and very encouraging really for our special, specialists. Uh, and um, now we are involved in uh, the project. The project name is uh, uh, USAID Basic Education Program. Uh, and uh, our, uh, our goal is to improve uh, accessibility in, uh, in Georgian schools uh, for inclusive education. All right, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, thank you for covering that. The organization really sounds like it's doing great work and, and taking a really a global thank perspective you. and bringing it to, uh, to the Georgian schools and to uh, the students, which is which is fantastic, and that's why I wanted wanted to have you on the show uh, to to hear about this experience. Um, maybe I'm I'm curious how how did you find yourself uh, in this uh, area or this interest? Um, you know, how, what what got you interested mm -hmm. in in this field specifically? Uh, okay, it. Um, uh... Okay, uh, I, 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 it, it's better I'd sure. say in Georgia, okay? <laughs> in 1993, um, her first child was born and uh, diagnosed was uh, cerebral um, palsy. Uh, palsy, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was a period when uh, the Soviet Union had already ruined, but new systems had uh, had not built built yet. Uh, so children were without any help and without any services from the state. I was very young at that time, and I didn't know what to do. So several parents uh, decided to jo uh, join together and um, um, that um, build a new organization uh, for for fighting. Uh, for better life for our children. And uh, first victory, as I remember, was that uh, the state uh, tried uh, to uh, take a uh, uh, um, rehabilitation program of uh, cerebral palsy from uh, state, uh, state services, and they didn't let them do it. So first they concentrated on the, such kind of services, but then uh, um, we, she said that we realized that uh, uh, it's better to teach uh, people how to catch uh, fish, so uh, they concentrated more on uh, inclusive education. Non-governmental sector was also very weak uh, at that time, but uh, they were lucky that this uh, um, competition were published, uh, she mentioned before, and uh, by 1998, uh, they were sent to United States and they learned a lot there and they came back with, uh, many, with many ideas uh, and started um, to implement them here. 
she had to involve in the research uh, where the research question was uh, what disability people themselves uh, uh, consider the main factor for as a barrier for them. Right. It was my my background in this field. I see. And motivation was my uh my son and i am happy because uh, he is former uh, flex student it means future leaders exchange program he, and he uh, was was uh, study in usa uh, one year oh that's fan that's fantastic that's that's really great <laughs> yes and i am happy as well I think so. I think yes. so. Uh, not not just for for your son, but it sounds like for the entire country. I mean, that it's it's such a fantastic story. Um, yes. You know, my my mom uh, worked with students with disabilities too, so I know you know the challenges and the and the barriers uh, mm, that that they face in education. And, and I'm curious what what has been maybe some of the the biggest successes or changes that you've seen since you started, you know, in, in the 90s until now? Uh, okay. Thank you. It, it is a good question. Surprisingly, it was not about material resources or adapted environment, but it was uh, social uh, social issues and social attitudes that uh, these people with a disability found the uh, most, um, uh, most disturbing uh, in the environment. And the most uh, important activities of the organization uh, were that uh, they were trying to raise awareness um, among people and especially among parents, because parents of disability children, because uh, they were the main um, reason why children with disability, we are not let uh, uh, to go outside. Parents used to keep them at home. There were no social networks, no internet, and uh, the only thing the organization could do at that time was that uh, they started publishing newspaper, and the newspaper were sent to each family uh, with a disability child, and uh, that parents uh, uh, could uh, feel that they were not alone, and uh, there, was, there was someone somewhere uh, who was thinking about them. Then they realized that one organization could not change everything. Uh, so they started uh, thinking about uh, uh, making coalition of uh, different organizations of parents uh, to make some uh, bigger changes in public uh, environment. Mm. And one of the one of the most important things was also uh, to collaborate with the government uh, because they need uh, and to show the government what was the most important and uh, how they should uh, uh, change things step by step. And step by step, uh, the law uh, was um, being changed uh, um, for several times. And uh, it was last time when um, the law about uh, social integrity of the people with a disability uh, has been changed uh, by their involvement. Yes, and the main um, most important note in the law was that uh, they uh, they mentioned sign language as a um, state language, a parallel state language of the government, and now deaf people can use them uh, in an official way. 
uh, and uh, they also have to uh, use smart usage of in, of the environment uh, because uh, government posi government's position we are all, all the time that they did not have uh, enough resources financial resources uh, to make um, adapted uh, environment but now they can use universal design which uh, will be uh, useful and helpful for all the people for most of the people uh, around uh, around the society and the th third most important part of the law was uh, the note about special assistant uh, which um, uh, many people with the disability need for their uh, independent living and now and now, not only disability organizations, not only them, but other disability organizations and other uh, human rights organizations and also media are talking a lot about uh, the rights of, of people with disability. Uh, so they hope that more and more um, are coming to do. That's that's great. I'm I'm curious because I you know it sounds like you have worked with with the government uh, quite closely. I, I saw that. You know, you worked with the Ministry of Education, Ministry of, uh, I believe, Labor. How, how do you get the? How do you get government officials or or people that are in policymaking to to pay attention to these issues or to 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 believe that that resources should uh, be used uh, to to help these students or to to focus on this population? Uh, from the beginning, it was not easy. She said. Now it's easy to talk about, but they needed a lot of protests and a lot of radical protests in the streets uh, to announce uh, um, that um, uh, how hunger, how it should be said, <laughs> I don't know, and um, such kind of radical uh, activities to just um, make uh, government make the government let uh, pay attention to that. Uh, so they were uh, going to the governments and they say that, uh, okay, what, what we had, the financial resources, we already paid it to another organization, so I can't pay you anymore. So all of these organizations in the country uh, collaborated and made a, co uh, made a coalition uh, where they uh, themselves decided how to spend this money um, uh, that uh, which, which, which uh, could be more or less equally uh, divided to different kinds of disabilities. So because of their unity, uh, government uh, uh, was... Um, uh, to collaborate with them and uh, consider their ideas, all of them, not only one of them organization. And after a convention of people with disabilities were published, uh, they took an, another advantage to fight for the uh, rights of uh, students with disabilities um, according to the law. Uh, so they reached that uh, uh, there was a kind of board council, something like this, um, um, with, the, with the prime minister, and uh, there were um, people from different organizations and ministers and uh, from different ministries, and they were collaborated uh, to develop uh, a policy about uh, disability. And also the board of monitoring uh, we are cre was created um, with a, a human rights uh, uh, office, ombudsman office. And since 1989, uh, they had opportunity that uh, they uh, would, could have a, a representative at the parliament. 
and this representative is still at the parliament and uh, he is a lobbyist uh, who is, uh, is for the new law too and uh, he is uh, collaborating with this coalition with all of these organizations. If you want to get a real result, uh, she says that uh, both of them protest and uh, collaboration is needed. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's some, uh, a really great advice to, to maybe organizations <laughs> or, uh, you know, parents or, or NGOs, whatever it might be to, to sort of look for how to make change. And it, it seems like it, it maybe wasn't easy and it was a long process, right? We're talking about a story that branches from, you know, I think you said 89 all the way up until right now. And it sounds like you're still uh, mm -hmm. fighting to make things better uh, in, in, in the society. Okay. So, you know, it, it maybe it, it doesn't quite end potentially, uh, which, which is good, you know, to keep to keep moving and keep progressing. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm curious, you know, you, you've mentioned these sort of uh, cross-cultural studies uh, these tours, these things that you've um, potentially been on. I, I saw you, you know, you've been to the United States. Um, I even mm -hmm. saw you maybe had some connection in uh, either Norway or, or Estonia or the British Council as well. When, when you're sort of doing these uh, cross-cultural learning experiences, mm -hmm. uh, what, are you, what are you looking for? What do you, what do you try to take back to, to your own uh, society or to, to your own system? Mm -hmm. Uh, the first thing was that uh, they heard about the uh, concept of inclusive education because there was no concept at it in Soviet Union, so they heard about it and it was the uh, great effect. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, uh, there was um, uh, the idea of importance of parents' uh, activity, so they took um, uh, the idea of the project uh, parents to parents uh, which uh, meant which uh, was which meant that uh, they uh, strengthen in other parents uh, to uh, develop the process uh, and there was a very interesting program about uh, um, uh, about the children who had some kind of disability, but uh, who we are the, skillful enough uh, to go to different schools, and uh, we are talking about uh, their disability, their problems, their barriers, and uh, other students from different schools uh, had uh, was uh, seeing this stuff, and uh, they we are making friends for each other, and uh, it was about breaking uh, the barriers. And uh, at uh, Scranton University, it was two months uh, study tour. Uh, we are, they already um, studied many things about methodology, how to teach uh, different kind of disability students. Um, so the, she says that uh, these tours we are very important, that the study tour, uh, because uh, they didn't um, I have to invent a wheel again, and they uh, saved a lot of time with it. And she really appreciates the role of international organizations uh, who gave uh, her a chance to go to uh, different countries and see this uh, experience. And uh, it's uh, going on right now because of uh, COVID-19 um, um, situation, uh, they we are uh, in uh, thoughts. What should do? What should do? And what should uh, say toward the parents and the students and uh, different organizations made them involved uh, in different processes. We are uh, they got experience how to um, handle with all these processes. 
Right. Yeah. That's, that's great to hear that you were able to have that experience and it, and it really enlightened sort of those things that you're, that you're thinking about. But uh, I'm wondering if you, you went out and, and saw what was happening, but now it sounds like with some of the things that have happened in Georgia with, with, with your help, we probably have a lot to learn from, from your own experience and are people coming and organizations coming to Georgia uh, to learn about some of the reforms and some of the changes that, that you've made? Mm -hmm. I hope that one, one day it will uh, become that our organizations will be strengthened so much that uh, our expo experts will go somewhere and teach them how to make reforms. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, I mean, that sounds fantastic. That's why I think we're, we're even doing this podcast so that people can know about what's, what's going on and, and the work that you've done. And, and hopefully people do listen from our network and beyond and, and reach out and, and see what was going on. And if you can, you know, if you can help your own society, you can help these other places too. I, I, I believe that for sure. Um, you, you mentioned uh, COVID-19 and I'm wondering how that has impacted uh, disabilities and education and access? That's a big question, I know, but um, if you could just uh, uh, talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. uh, during the lockdowns, um, we had to, we had to, uh, to switch to distant learning. Uh, and uh, it, uh, students with disability found it very difficult because on the one hand, uh, they were from uh, forbidden and not allowed to uh, spend uh, much much time with the gadgets, and now they were uh, like more motiv motivated uh, to use to, to use gadgets, and it was the one problem they faced. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, uh, there were problems with uh, communication between specialists and uh, children because uh, through the gadgets, it wasn't easy uh, to make communication. So parents had to involve themselves into this educational pro uh, process and they became the professionals and the teachers of their students, of their uh, children themselves. And they found it very difficult and stressful. And uh, ICT skills uh, were also challenging because not all the parents uh, knew how to use the Zoom internet and uh, such kind of resources uh, uh, to help their children. And uh, first of all, these organizations decided to uh, make just uh, emotional and uh, moral support to, to these parents because uh, it was, was very important uh, for parents to keep a peace, uh, peaceful environment uh, at home because if parents were stressed, their uh, children were, would be stressed uh, also. And also we as professionals found new skills in ourselves because uh, all the shops were closed and uh, they had to uh, make resources uh, at home and everything and they made um, exercises uh, and everything to make uh, students involved into the process somehow and uh, uh, it was not enough of course because face-to-face -face, uh, communication can't be changed um, wholly uh, in this situation but it was very helpful for pa parents first because they were not alone in this process. Uh, but uh, finally, the most important thing th this is that uh, they reached the, the main goal of the organization to strengthen parents first. 
and again and again, of course, uh, uh, ideas, webinars, uh, uh, resources, um, and uh, uh, financial resources uh, too. Uh, we are um, uh, provided by international organizations and uh, it was the great role for, of them in this process. And there is a program broadcasted uh, on TV uh, about uh, parents um, today are talking uh, about their um, experience and um, uh, ah, how to yes, learn, yeah, how to learn their children and it uh, became a very useful program for all of them. All right, yeah, I know it's been globally, parents have had such a tough time during this process of basically taking over the role of of teacher and an IT person and and also just parent and not to mention their normal day-to-day -day work so you know it's I think it's it's you know, we can we can recognize those experiences yeah and they are very uh, thankful because a lot of resources free resources educational resources we are published on the internet and everyone could use of them right Th those will be quite valuable from you know, from the standpoint of parents sort of trying to figure out how to, or, or teachers, educators, everyone, I, I suppose, can, can uh, relate to those. Um, so we're coming to the end of our interview. It's been, it's been wonderful. And I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, final question, you know, what, what do you have next? What can we expect from you next? Or, or what's a, a project that you're, you're looking to either complete or to, uh, to either start on or finalize a, anything you want to take there? Then this uh, a basic education pro program um, collaborated with RTI International. Uh, they was, uh, everything was planned in a different way, uh, but now they adapted everything, uh, and um, it is um, it is uh, plan. It is it has been planning uh, like this that every resources and every training uh, will be published online. Now they are trying to concentrate more on, on um, uh, that um, national minorities uh, in Georgia, uh, because uh, we have such kind of minorities in different regions. Uh, we are, they have more closed culture uh, and they have um, language barriers because they don't know Georgian and uh, that uh, cultural things are also uh, more um, challenging. And she has just been arrived before the interview from one of these regions uh, where she discussed with the local municipality uh, how to integrate and include these um, cultural minorities into uh, Georgian culture. And uh, on the other hand, how to include and integrate uh, students and the people with a disability from, from these cultures uh, to the mainstream process. Uh, uh, regarding uh, to that, uh, Georgian is a small country, but uh, uh, still uh, there are a lot of cultural and uh, ethnic minorities in, is, uh, here. In only one hour from Tbilisi, there is a city, Marneoli, uh, which is uh, habited uh, by um, uh, that uh, Muslim culture, um, Muslim culture society, and. Uh, Yes, Azerbaijanians, uh, uh, and there are a lot of issues uh, um, toward um, inclusion, toward disability people, and also gender issues, uh, and um, they are trying now uh, to uh, make clear uh, goals and uh, start working on it. 
and first daycare center uh, for the children with disability from 6 to 18 uh, was already established uh, and, uh, and the people here there in Marneuli uh, have a possibility to go to the center, uh, be assessed and have an individual plan of development. And all the resources and all the training videos are translated in Azeri and uh, Armenian. They are our ethnic minorities in different cities and all of the resources are translated and published on the internet. And the power of uh, children and uh, women in these regions are the uh, closest uh, plan and goal of this organization. Yeah, that, that's great. It sounds like you can take some of the lessons you learned from the, the long struggle with students with disabilities into these other arenas. So that, that's fantastic that you're, you're sort of expanding inclusion in, in Georgia. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I really thank uh, both of you for joining us today. This has been a, a fascinating conversation, inspiring conversation. I think people can, can take a lot out of this. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, you know, hopefully, uh, See, see what's next for you when, when you sort of expand these different programs. So we're excited, excited to see what happens next. Uh, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for for, for invitation in this program. Thank you. And this concludes our Kicks EAP podcast, which is released every first Wednesday of the month. Of course, the opinions expressed on the Kicks EAP podcast are solely those of the host and the guest. The Kix EAP podcast is made possible by Kix, which stands for Knowledge and Innovation Exchange. Kix is an initiative of the Global Partnership for Education. Globally, Kix is administered by the International Development Research Center in Canada. NORAG in Geneva hosts one of the four regional hubs of Kix. Thanks for listening. Find us on the NORAG or GPE Kix websites. You can subscribe to the Kix EAP podcast, newsletter, and webinar series and also learn about Kik's global or regional projects. Additionally, you can subscribe directly on Spotify or SoundCloud to receive notifications of the new monthly podcast episodes.